This is First Contact, stories of the call center. Brought to you by Noble Biz, your one-stop shop for all your contact center needs, both carrier and software. Each show, we talk to industry leaders on how they got their start in the call center industry, because let's be honest, it's not a dream job. Find all our episodes, you can go to our website, that's www.nobelbiz.com. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, or follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for future episodes. So, hey everybody, welcome to season two. It's been a while, and I hope you're all doing really well. Uh, today, we're really excited because just like in our first season, we've got Steve Biederman with us. I don't believe that Steve needs an introduction, but if you do, you can go back to the first episode of season one and you can get all the great information on Steve. But for those of you who don't know, he's, of course, the CEO and president of Nobel Biz. Now, as a top level executive, he spent the tumultuous year of 2020 learning a lot and also applying those lessons he's already had over the decades in a long career he's had in the contact center space. Well, Steve, I'm really excited that on today's episode, we don't have the mic in your face. So welcome back to the show, Steve. Looks like I'm an annual event. Thanks for introducing me, Christian. Um, I do look forward to speaking to the uh, contact center audience. And listen, I want to take just a minute and explain how this even came into fruition. Uh, I had been listening often over the last few years to podcasts on public radio and other areas. And I did it while I worked out and I did it in in other places just uh, you know, to take the time and learn while I was doing things. And I thought to myself, you know, here is an industry in contact centers that really, really is not noticed by many people outside of the contact center world. In other words, we're heroes to ourselves, but many other people don't see us that way. In fact, sometimes people see us uh, in in kind of a negative slant. So I thought, you know, it's a very hard thing to build a contact center. And the people that have survived it and prospered, they really should be noticed because they're great business people. They're, they're heroes in my, in my mind. They're people that can be mentors and, and leaders for the next generation. Because in the contact center space, there are so many variables. And uh, really, there's a lot of good works, like putting uh, hundreds, thousands of people uh, to work and uh, training them and giving them opportunities for career paths. So I thought, let's hear from some of these leaders and let's find out what made them there. Did they start as an agent? Did they start growing up wanting to be in contact centers? Uh, I don't know what that is, but I certainly would be interested. And I thought, let's do this and share this with our public in the contact center space. And then from there, Uh, we can all be proud of ourselves. So that's why we started last year. I thought it was a great, successful year. And I really appreciate having the opportunity to speak to you today. Well, with that in mind, one of the things that we talked about and was kind of the, we'll call it the joke of season one is that, hey, no one goes to be in the contact center space as their dream job, right? But ultimately, when we talked to all those special leaders and people that you had just mentioned, which I had the honor of speaking with and the privilege, for many of them, they are 
living that dream, right? It was their dream job and they have been able to make an impact and something meaningful. But with that in mind, how has that been for you over the last year? How's your dream been? Wow, it's been a, a great challenge. Uh, you know, there are times, and I'm an older guy and I've been in this industry for decades, and there are times that I feel as if I'm in my prime. I'm at a point where I can use all that I've learned uh, with easy access to uh, to implement and, and find levels of success. But what I hadn't planned on is a pandemic. <laughs> and for me, I wasn't quite in my prime. I had a lot left to learn. And yes, I could tap into a lot of my experience, but not all of it applied. And uh, I, I feel uh, good today. I feel that we have prospered at Noble Biz. Certainly, we've done very well. Uh, but we did it, uh, and it was very difficult. So uh, great challenges, good learning, good outcome. And... Uh, you know, I'm hoping that that I can share some of that experience today. Well, that's great. And that's why we're excited to have you here today. The other part of that, though, when we think about it, is if we go back and reflect on that first episode pre-pandemic, and that's even a term, right, pre-pandemic, I don't think anyone would have believed you forecasting into the future, taking into account what you just said. No one accounted for the pandemic, or at least even if they had some plan for a pandemic, it, I don't think would have aligned well with what actually happened. So with that in mind, was there anything that was personal or business that you think was a change that actually was positive for you within this? For Well, I don't know so much just for me, uh, but I think the contact center space, and this is no surprise, it's stating the obvious, learned that they can perform whether their agents are at home or in a building together. And in fact, some of them have learned that they can even do it better. And they can be cost effective. They can uh, begin to implement some of the technologies that, that really were just talked about and never implemented, like AI, like um, gamification. And, and the challenge for me was finding ways to stay connected with our staff while optimizing the opportunities that, that we were facing as a company and creating a passion for our people at the same time. And, and some of that, we, we were always trying to do that uh, running organizations, but it was a specific uh, challenge that, that had not been faced because if somebody in the past wanted to have virtual agents and be remote, that was a plan. They sat down, they built a business plan, and they implemented that plan. And yes, it was different from maybe where they had been before, but they had the time to structure it. What actually happened was within a three-week period of time in March, everybody just had to stop. Everybody just had to, to quickly, in a sense, triage it. And in doing that, wow, what a success most, most people had. And, and I think they surprised themselves. Yeah, and I think that's the case from a lot of the discussions we had throughout of last year and understanding how that went. So to kind of shift topics slightly, I know that there's something, without spoiling too much, I understand that you're writing a new book. Care to share? Well, I'm writing two new books, and uh, uh, you know, I'm the author of a series of novels, uh, corporate thrillers, uh, 
my main character, Mitch Jacobs, uh, runs around the world and, and saves a business and saves the world in the same breath. Uh, and I'm on to my fifth novel there. I don't have a title for it, but in fact, uh, just two weeks ago, I finished part one and I'm into part two. Hopefully, within the context of a business novel, it, it actually has lessons to learn as well. as It's just a lot of fun to do. And I've had a nice audience reading them over the years, and, and I want to keep that going. Uh, but the other book that, I, that I've begun is, is really a book about my own experiences in business. So I, I guess I would call it a business book, and, and it's called Lessons I've Learned in No Particular Order. Uh, you know, as I talk to people, uh, as I think about uh, the challenges really last year, it really brought it out to me. Uh, I had to tap into a lot of the lessons I learned, and, and as I was using those and using anecdotes to, to explain to people different instances and, and, and what they may want to do or the counsel I could give, I was grabbing its stories here and there from my decades of working. And I thought, you know, these ideas come to me in no particular order, but they all filled my vessel with information that, that really seems that it can benefit other people. So I'm, I'm laying that out and, and beginning to, to write it. And I hope that, uh, I think I'm having a lot of fun. It, it's sort of a journal of everything I've learned in my life and in a fun way to read it and uh, looking forward to uh, getting it out to the audience. Well, that's great. And I'm sure when it comes out, uh, there's going to be a great audience for it. But if you had to pick one thing that maybe is underrated, why would that be important to you? Why was it important? Uh, important to write the books or in, in, particular topic, in a particular topic for you? If there was one in particular topic that was from the the in lessons. No particular order, lessons-wise, why was that important to you? Yeah, I, I mean, there are, are so many, and, and I'm a big believer, and uh, one of the lessons I've learned is that everything counts. And in the idea that everything counts, I, don't judge it. Just learn it and, uh, you know, uh, journal what you're doing at, over the years and then access it when you need it. So uh, many people in business, have judgments. They feel like you can do this, you can't do that. Uh, this is telling, so I won't do this. And, and I never believe that. I believe that I, I really don't know a lot and that I just have to use my brain as we use a computer and just store data, store data without judgment, just straight data and, and touch upon it when we can. So it's really about taking that information and then when you're facing instances that, that you need it, uh, then you access it. And, and I would also say the most important thing from a management point of view is, is control everything you can control all the time and then take that information and do something with it. Meaning I can't be a control freak, but I can evaluate what is going on in front of me and then I can take those instances and say, what within the context of this experience is within my or our control and what is really not? And then focus on the things that I can, because we often either judge too soon and, and lose the opportunities that come with being open-minded and at the same time, uh, 
we we judge too slowly. So uh, it's just control what you're doing. Why do we judge too slowly? We judge too slowly because we're in this evaluation ad nauseum and, and you can't do that. So act quickly. And I can go on and on, of course. Well, it's we'll save that for the book, of course, right? We yeah. want to give uh, something for the audience when you get to that point. But I think one of the things that we've talked about and we did in our first episode was learning from failure. And you have this great story about how you lost your whole team when you became a manager, right? Any other stories that you have that are similar in the idea where you learned from failure? <laughs> uh, most of what I've done is, is through failure. And I can tell you something that today is has a real impact on how we are building noble bits and our product development with our omniplus and our contact center technology when i first got into the technology side of the business i was handed a product and we it was called touchstar and as most people know touchstar was a world-class company but what they didn't see was what was going on behind the scenes we had no money we were like two people living on a park bench when we started this but we had a real commitment to the handful of customers that we had so what we had to do just to survive and 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 somehow keep working just just to support those those few customers we had uh, when we had no money was we had to try to sell a product that wasn't done it wasn't completed and it it drove us into a path of an iterative path of development that on the one hand made the product very robust but on the the other hand made it very unstable but it felt to me at the time that we had no choice. Uh, that was me thinking I was controlling what I could control, which is I need to go out and make a sale. So deal with the fact that the product isn't gonna always be successful. Uh, but I really failed at it. And we had a lot of uh, disappointments. We hurt businesses, we hurt ourselves. And it, it took us a long time to, to rewrite our, our technology in a, in a safe way so that it offered security for our customers. So today, you know, as we've gone into different iterations of building our technology, what I'm really aware of is, is don't offer a product beyond what it does today. There's a tendency when you go to a contact center and you bring a call center system that that contact center, because they've been using something already, wants a nuanced difference in that pro the product that you're presenting so that it mimics what they had before. And there's a tendency to say, yeah, okay, I can do that, let me develop that, or I'll develop this feature, I'll give you that feature. And, and my lesson is, don't do that. Here's what we have to sell. Here's what we know is stable. Here's how you can use it to be successful. And although time has a roadmap attached and you can have a voice in that, I can't make you promises there. I'm not gonna promise you what I can't uh, keep in, in terms of that promise. And, and I know that more than ever now. Well, it's critically important to make sure that you can deliver on what it is that you promise. But with that said, when we look at failure being a great opportunity to learn, so were there any lessons for you? Because obviously, you know, not everything comes from failure. So are there lessons that you've learned, things that may have come unexpected, but lessons that didn't come from failure? 
look, we manage into an industry that we can help contact centers be successful, or we can put hundreds or thousands of people out of business if we fail. Uh, that, that's the right way to look at our business, except what goes into that, meaning that there are things in that dynamic that we don't like. There are relationships that are hard. There are people that ask for much uh, and we get frustrated. Uh, there's anger that comes from our support group and they say, why is this person asking this all the time? They keep doing this or they keep doing that. And, and look, um, the truth is that's the nature of our business. And you shouldn't get into a business if you're not prepared to embrace the nature of that business. Uh, again, I can't control that piece. What I can do is control how I work with that piece. I can take it in a positive vein. I can be excited and passionate that every time a client calls me, that client has given me an opportunity to show them why I'm a promise keeper, why I am the best at what I do, and why I really care about them. And it's a really, really important lesson to learn in business to not be frustrated with what is a natural consequence of what you're offering somebody and that's the same in any business at all so you know i don't know if that speaks to the question exactly but it's certainly something i think is important absolutely and so within that vein right as we talk about 2020 i think customer experience was critical right those companies that didn't pivot in a way that they were able to still provide a meaningful and memorable customer experience may have lost customers. I can speak from personal experience, companies that didn't do a good job and it made me question my business relationship with them and others that found a way, right? So as we go into that evolution, going into 2021, we talk about customer relationships and nurturing those relationships, building relationships, having relationship maps. Those all seem to be trends that are being embraced at a different level of speed with new technology and new processes. But with that said, what's your perspective on that approach? What is it that you see or feel when you think about that evolution? Well, let's be honest, customer experience has always been there. I mean, we all, every business for, for centuries and, and more have, have had a relationship with somebody and made a promise to somebody and had to keep that promise. Uh, and keeping the promise is really uh, today what we define as CX or customer experience. I think though that uh, in, a, in an interesting fashion for an old guy that's seen different iterations of how you deal with customer, customer experience, uh, the benefit of today uh, identifying CX, the, the benefit of coming up with more and more creative methods of helping people is really one thing. It, it brings out the passion to care. And, and sometimes you, you see that wane, but because it's so underlined today. Now, now, much of what is done today isn't different from what has always been done, but it's being defined more and it's becoming an area of focus versus an area just that, of course, you gotta take care of the customer. And the recognition is that something that we do, as you know, Christian at Noble Biz, and we've been talking about for years, which is we've always believed that what we are selling is promise keeping. Yeah, we have technology. Yeah, we're a contact center carrier. But 
ultimately we're making somebody a promise and we have to keep it. So what did we do? We, we weren't thinking CX per se. We were thinking, how do you do that? How do you make sure that the promises you say are the promises you keep? And what did we do? In fact, it's one of the groups that you put together at Noble Biz, which are client advocates. And we, what, what a client advocate is to us, and maybe this will help a company think of CX more directly, is really putting the customer in our office. So customers call support in any business when they have a problem. If they're mad, they sometimes call the management. That's kind of the traditional way of doing it. And, and their voice is somewhat limited. And if they can get through, maybe they can you know, get to my office and maybe they'll, they'll, they'll have the outcome they're looking for. But what you're really doing there is you're forcing the client who's unhappy to find where is that journey map to get me to a solution. You're not taking the, the ownership. So if, but, but I've always noticed that if a customer came to my office, walked in, walked into my office and they were mad or just that they walked in and, and said, I, you're not making me happy. Won't I stop the whole world just to help them? Of course I will, right? So how do you do that in real time? You put a client advocate in place that speaks for that, that client and, and we accept that they have the control over all management, over all decisions with, with the same power that comes from the seat that I sit in. And when you do that over and over and you take an aggressive uh, versus a passive approach to your clients, uh, that's an innovation. That's how you use it. Listen, a lot of businesses today call them, they have customer success people, but the truth is they're just customer support people. But to me, customer advocacy means putting the client into your business where their voices is the primary voice. Yeah, and I think when you think of most businesses, there's layers that you talk about to get to certain people. And by creating a conduit with a client advocate that becomes that voice within that company, uh, they are truly not just the us versus them in many scenarios. It's the customer versus the company. Uh, the client advocate, as you mentioned, now becomes the we. How do we now get to the resolution that is required to provide that promise that we've made, right? So it's it's one really important part on the human side. Now we kind of move over to technology, right? And yeah. when we look at technology right now, um, we see a lot of AI being adopted, right? Especially during the pandemic, pre-pandemic, it was really getting hotter. And we still see that that's a trend going forward. Uh, but with that topic, since we've discussed it so much on uh, the previous episodes in season one, we know that it's not the fact that we're just saying it's either AI or agents. One has to go, right? That's not the case. We're looking at, well, how does AI actually successfully get integrated into the contact center? So from your perspective, how have you seen or do you see AI successfully being integrated into the contact center? Well, it's a necessary tool. But as you said, it's one of the tools. 
the, the honest answer in contact centers is contact centers are looking to control costs. They're saying, look, my overhead is always the biggest thing that I have to face. And if I can reduce my overhead, meaning you know my staffing, to be quite honest with you, then I can do more work. I can I can you know have more success revenue wise and and uh, profitability wise. And I really believe that's the driver. We can pretend that there are other drivers, and not even pretend there are other drivers. But the truth of the matter is, is I really believe that's where it began. But when AI gets to a point that a virtual agent gives the client an equal or better experience than the person, that's the time to make the change. It isn't the time to first say, I'm going to AI or virtual agents because I can save money or I can do A, B, and C. It, it has to be predicated on the idea that that experience is enhanced or at minimally equal to what they are already getting from the human side and people. Now, there are benefits to virtual agents that uh, you can probably get there. And some AI tools uh, suggest they can do that. Meaning that, that you can have the same experience every single time that you can't always get with the human experience based on that client service emotions that are going on in that moment of that day, where it's always gonna be the same uh, repeatable, uh, dependable experience. We at NobleBiz are looking deeply for a specific virtual agent tool that allows the, the customer and, and our customers to be able to use all of the channels in an Omni experience as often as they can in an optimized way that produces a better effect than what an agent does. Now, the outcome of that is going to be that our clients will get to have more business, spend their money and resources to take on, uh, on more uh, projects uh, and, and to train their agents to do the human part of the necessary experience. And so the agent, the agent role will change over the next 10 years. That being said, I really have to tell you that we've had a heck of a hard time going all over the world looking for a tool that really can do that, okay? Uh, we have seen and we have looked at tens and tens of AI tools. And look, we're not believing that in that case, we're the experts in AI. We're, we're the experts in building a contact center system. In that case, I really believe that the best way is get the best product in the world attached to what we do. But we're having a hard time finding it. I actually think uh, we're on the right track now, but this has not been easy. And you don't take the easy answer when it comes to AI. Think the right answer, or you, what's going to happen is you're going to put the industry back because people are going to start having bad experiences just because there was too quick of an implementation of next generation. Yeah, I think whenever you adopt a technology uh, and you haven't optimized for it, there's going to be a sense of frustration, right? There's everything from a chatbot that doesn't work well right, to an IVR that's too cumbersome, 
that you start front ending a digital experience or a non-human experience before you get to the human. And if it's not done properly, no matter how awesome the technology is, it becomes a barrier for that interaction to have a positive outcome because you started off being frustrated. Running a contact center these days takes a great deal of courage and resilience. Noble Biz applauds and salutes the contact center community for not giving up and fighting the good fight, working to set contact centers on the road to success. Our contribution consists in providing one of the most versatile and cost-efficient omnichannel solutions on the market called Noble Biz OmniPlus. Take your contact center to the next level with Noble Biz OmniPlus. Get instant access to a full range selection of channels, from voice calls to SMS, and from email to WhatsApp, Twitter, or Telegram. Get control over the external factors, with the possibility to switch from an on-premise team to a remote system in just a matter of hours. And get integrated compliance support, advanced reporting, seamless agent dashboard, and many more high-grade features. All in just one product. Noble Biz Omni Plus, a crisis-proof solution for scaling operations. But talking about frustrations and the human touch uh, to move back away from technology, I know for the past year, um, we've been doing yoga three days a week. How do you feel about that now, looking back of everything that happened? And then on top of that, what kind of benefits have you seen, if any, of having yoga in the workplace? Anything specific you learned by having well, that implemented? How do you feel from doing yoga? <laughs> I smile <laughs> well, a lot more. <laughs> I can stretch a lot more now. No, I'll, I'll tell you, that's one of the, uh, the things that we grabbed onto. In March, when we took our hundreds of staff around the world, all over the world, and moved them home in a matter of, of days, uh, yeah, we had the technology, our technology, it works fantastic uh, for virtual agents. But we had to say, how do we motivate and, and how do we recognize and all of the logical things that, that come in a day with your staff. And, and we just said, what are the things we can do to engage? And uh, one of the things we decided to do was yoga. Uh, we also do team building exercises. We also use Zoom in a way that I think is innovative by allowing it to remain open by work group where there's a, uh, a more engaged communication that goes on each day. But specifically to yoga, uh, it, it sends a message to the staff, and I think the staff you know, will support this, that we really care about things that are not just make the next phone call, do the next task, that we just care about their, their emotional uh, well-being. We recognize that being home is different from being in the office, and, and that difference can sometimes motivate, but it also can sometimes uh, lead you to, to a mediocre experience. So. One of the, the benefits of yoga is it deals with uh, your body, it deals with your mind, it deals with your spirit. And uh, when you combine all that together and just break into people's days and say, look, all we want is desktop yoga for 15 minutes on this day, or 
one day a week, by the way, we do a 30 minute session, which is more advanced. Sometimes we will bring in guest yoga instructors too. Our yoga instructors are, are pretty well experienced, but it's always fun to have uh, you know somebody different come in. And we are seeing, it's a voluntary thing, but we are seeing the numbers of people uh, that, that come to it increase. Where it started with everybody on day one because they almost felt they had to, and then it began to diminish because people were putting their schedules over their personal well-being. But now, after, what, nine, ten months of, of this, uh, people are recognizing, I think it's more important to just kind of take 15 minutes. It's like taking a walk or, or a break at work and doing something organized with my peers. And, and we're having a heck of a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and I'll have to say that um, over the last year, as we've talked to different leaders that have all looked at things of what you can do to improve morale, uh, improve the the continuity of the culture of being able to be part of a team when you're separated. Uh, yoga has been one of those avenues that people have talked about and Noble Biz has embraced. On top of that, though, there's also been a part for the health side of it, not only for mental health, and we've talked about that, but also physical health with certain centers and industry leaders saying that they're going to have their employees get tested for COVID and also recently to be able to get vaccinated. What is your thoughts when it comes to uh, the industry and leaders doing those kinds of things for their staff and employees? Well, it's really a question of how deep do you want to get into somebody's personal life? And uh, everybody has a different opinion about how deep that should be, and, and staff has an opinion about how deep they want it to be. And so uh, I think you do what is practical. From my seat, I look for practical things that I can implement that are repeatable so that it isn't just uh, today, here's this one thing and I can go hang it on the mantle and say, look what I did, but rather it has to be repeatable. Yoga, that's repeatable. Zoom working with each other on a daily basis within your teams, keeping that Zoom open, that's repeatable. And so if we're gonna do COVID testing, then let's do it not just one time, it, it won't make much difference one time. Let's have a plan to set it up so that we can have a continuing method to do that. Look, COVID is a nasty, nasty thing. Uh, some people don't want to go out to even get a test. Some people don't care. And so uh, I can't control that, right? I said control what you can't control. But what I can do is say, is this something that I can put in place that people can get continuous value from? And, and that's kind of where we start and stop. Understood. And I think one of the things you said earlier which is something you've said many times in our conversations, is every single thing you do in business counts. That resonates with me, but I think for our audience, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's almost uh, from the reverse. We don't know what doesn't count, right? We don't know what we don't know. If we have a moment in time that we, we lapse or we become too informal or out of our normal pattern and we're dealing with an employee, an internal customer or an external customer, we don't know what's going on in their day and their mind and their experience. So if I, if I act out, if I get too unprofessional, 
I don't know that I turn somebody off. I don't know the message I'm leaving. And I, I don't know if, if I'll ever uh, have an outcome that, that I want. What that means is this. If I'm a salesperson and I go into an experience and, and I think, well, look, this is just uh, the third demo I've done for this person. Uh, and then you, I leave an engineer to do it and I don't join the call. Uh, was that the right thing to do or was that not the right thing to do? Uh, but here's what I do can control. I can't control showing up for that. I can't control being positive energy in that. I can't control summarizing that. I can't control the next step follow up with that. But let's say I don't. And what if that client on that day felt like, gosh darn it, although I like Joe, why didn't Joe show up today? And at that time, another uh, competitor calls and, and inevitably it leads to losing that business. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we lose. That never tells us that's why we lost it. So uh, everything does count and you better go to work every day or live in your life in a way that suggests I better do everything I can do in an optimal and positive fashion all the time because that way I reduce my risks. Forget enhancing the experience. Literally, I, I at least minimally reduce my risk. Yeah, and I think we all know it takes a lot of work and effort to build relationships. We also know that in one moment, it can all go away. Very hard to gain, very easy to lose, right? And so with that in mind, we have to always be ready and willing to know that in that moment, Whatever person is involved in that touch point, that handoff, that interaction, it could be the very last time that you've continued to earn that person's relationship. And so with that said, as we look at the pandemic, right, um, I don't know what percentage of people thought the pandemic was going to last this long and it was going to have it ups and downs and how it went from people thinking it was going to away versus it was going to last a long time. But from a business perspective, when you look at the businesses who made plans based on the unknown, I don't know if this is going to last three months, six months, 12 months. It's here forever. It's our new norm. With that said, when we talk about business and particularly contact centers, when you talk about going into 2021 and we're here through the rest of the year, what is it that a business should take into account or be planning this year, considering all those unknowns? Well, I mean, that's actually a pretty easy question to answer. But before I answer it, I want to go back to an experience that I had that I think can enhance your question of controlling everything you can control. Years ago, I was running Touchstar Software. We were a positive experience for everybody in the world where we, we were. Our staff was excited and they responded to what I said. Uh, everything was great. I mean, really great. We had hundreds of employees. One day I was in my office and I got angry. I stood up, I was so mad I, and my door was open and I took, grabbed my glasses. I was so mad and I threw them at the wall and I swore. That was it. I turned around, went back, sat down. It took me at least nine months maybe a year and maybe never for some people to recover the respect from those people that went from supporting me to fearing me. So I didn't know, I just was Steve and I reacted to that situation in that time because I was thinking of me and not of, of the whole experience for everybody. 
And so that is, is sticks with me all the time, which is I don't know what I don't know, but I do know how to control myself as in a professional way all the time. And now to your question of what to do, and I said it's an easy answer. Here's why. This is a bridge we're building. You know, you just have to picture a bridge that we're, we're we know we have to get over this canyon, but we can never see the other end of the canyon, and we don't know how far it is. We do know that there is uh, a, another side of the canyon. We also know we need to get there, okay? But in the meantime, we still have to live. So I start building a bridge, one foot, two foot, 10 feet, 100 feet, 200 feet. I keep waiting to build that bridge and find it, find the other side. Every day that I don't hit the other side, I get disappointed. I get uh, emotionally down. Uh, I get depressed. Don't do that. Instead, build a bridge with the recognition that this experience is going to be, I'm going to build a bridge as long as I have to build a bridge, because that's the nature of my work today, until I get to the other side, end of the pandemic. I can't force that part. I can't control that part. I can't control building the bridge. And so how do I do that? I have to manage costs. I have to keep things in perspective. I have to be reasonable about my initiatives. I can't promise what, what the future holds, but I can take care of the moment. So I take care of the moment in a controllable way that, that retains my resources so that I can, I can extend my bridge, and then I just keep building the bridge and extending my resources until the unknown becomes known. And that is the single thing, in my opinion, every business should do. I, I mean, people may disagree with me, but you know, I get to have my opinion, and that's what I'm sticking Well, with that said, though, how optimistic, then, are you for the future of the contact center space right now? Well, I, I certainly, on a personal basis, am optimistic. I'm uh, living life uh, suggests that uh, it's it's circular and that that things come around. Uh, so, uh, in this moment, the contact center space has learned how to adopt new technology quicker than they used to. It's forced them into innovation of agent management and gamification and AI, as we talked about, and it wouldn't have happened that fast. So I'm very excited about that. It's also taught contact centers to do what I just said, which is build a bridge to not knowing the end and where that bridge gets to the other side. So I think it's priming contact centers uh, to be very effective in what they do so that at the time that that bridge finds the other side, I think people are just going to be really prepared. And I think because of, of the reality that people are buying more from home, I think that'll always be the case. I think that, that people are finding, the uh, consumers are finding the efficiencies that go with online ordering, online buying, all of the online uh, dependence that's going on right now. And that speaks to contact centers, right? Because contact centers are what makes that happen. So it's a great future. Uh, and even the moment is a great moment 
Let's not just look at the future. As long as I'm building the bridge, protecting my resources, optimizing my moments, uh, encouraging my staff, and, and learning to remain an efficient manager, it's, I, I'm having a good time. A famous African proverb says that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And how true is this for the contact center industry where business partners that you can call friends are so rare? At Noble Biz, we made it our mission to travel far and wide with our partners. As a complete telecom services provider, With an experience of over 20 years in the industry, Noble Biz offers the only voice carrier network designed with the sole purpose of serving call centers, big or small. Because our goal is to become the ultimate provider for the contact center industry, service quality is on top of our priority list. We will guarantee crystal clear voice quality, legal backup, smart routing, 99.9% uptime, high-grade security, and an easy setup. At Noble Biz, we are confident to affirm that we have the best cost per minute in the entire contact center industry. Do you have any doubts? Get in touch and find out. Learn more about the Noble Biz voice carrier network on www.noblebiz.com. It sounds like there was a, a lot of trends that you started mentioning, which were contact center specific, going into 2021, they're really direct results of 2020, right? So the moving to a more cloud or remote-based workforce, the adoption of technologies that enable that external workforce. We talked about AI, gamification, among others that we've talked about last year. And then anything else that you're thinking is one of the big trends that we're going to see in our scene in the contact center space going into 2021 from the pandemic? Well, in contact centers, my guess is you're going to see more pods, uh, smaller pods that work smaller accounts versus uh, large groups of agents working single accounts. Because uh, the technology, as everybody's learning with the Omni Plus type experience, allows people to have a wide range of communications all reported on and contained in a manageable way uh, at the same time, it it allows you to to really use your workforce entirely differently. Uh, You're not forced to move all this mass of soldiers over here and this mass of soldiers over there. You can now break up your people no matter which way you want to a wider range of, of projects and campaigns that BPOs as an example can take on. So uh, BPOs will start, in my opinion, servicing the small to medium sector as well as the enterprise sector. And, and I think that's a, that, that's a great outcome for everybody. So what does 2021 look like for Steve Biederman? Well, it looks like I'm just sitting here building the bridge, <laughs> uh, managing uh, our what's in front of us, managing the promises that we keep. We're, I'm looking for uh, the best AI product 
in the world, and that's the only one that, that I intend to implement. Uh, we continue in business to enhance ourselves as well as I have just expressed other businesses are doing. For me personally, it's the release of uh, two books, my novel, and uh, you know lessons I've learned in no particular order. And um, you know we've had uh, hope in our house. Uh, my wife just recently uh, had her first shot, and I hopefully am in the next. Uh, you know, the next group of that and, and possibly will uh, be able to even do a little traveling later this year. No plans for it, but but hope. So we're kind of encouraged in our home. And I certainly am encouraged with our business because our business inevitably made up for the losses that would naturally happen at the beginning of the pandemic. And we made up for it through the year. And we ended up having a, a great year, highly profitable. And, and that's really encouraging. Yeah, that's really important. And especially when we look at this word, you say hope, I think there has been a renewed wave of hope uh, with a lot of things that people are seeing uh, that there may be this light at the end of the tunnel that they can see. And so with that said, you know, Noble Biz obviously is looking to ride that wave to be able to participate in what 2021 has in store. So stay tuned for that. And obviously uh, this uh, season. We're really excited because we're lining up some incredible guests, obviously, as you see with Steve uh, joining us to start off the new season, uh, which is uh, another refreshing, exciting season for First Contact Stories of the Contact Center. And um, Steve, it was a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. Hope it helps you and everybody else. Yeah, and everyone out there, uh, if you can't get enough of Steve's lessons, go to noblebiz.com. Search for Steve Biederman. That's N-O-B-E-L-B-I-Z.com and search for Steve Biederman. So thanks all of you for joining today. Stay tuned for episode two. Thank you. If you like what you're hearing, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out our YouTube channel for exclusive clips. Like us, rate us, review us. If you want to hear more on our take on coronavirus, remote work, and contact centers, go to NobelBiz.com and click on webinars to see our recorded on-demand webinars. Thanks for listening to First Contact Stories of the Call Center. My name is Christian Montez, and we'll be back soon with our next episode. This podcast has been hosted by me, Christian Montez, produced, written, and edited by Bogdan Minutes, with co-executive producers Steve Biederman, Christian Montez, and Bogdan Minutes. <laughs>